Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Sportstime780.com. Gentlemen, good morning. Getting nice hat, Justin. I can't say the same for you, Randy. Sorry. <laughs> well, I thought as a Yankees fan, yeah. you would like it because this is when you guys actually beat us. That back was back in the at, 70s. Yeah. Back in the old days. <laughs> yeah, so the, the Carlton Fisk era back right. in the days. Um, it, it's been a fun week for uh, for snow this week. Our Tuesday games get moved to Wednesday, and then our Thursday games getting moved to Friday. Always very exciting this time of year. Well, it is, and not only that, Maddie, but uh, that, that throws off everybody else looking at the playoffs coming up because everybody was expecting those heel points to be to be ready to go on uh, on Friday evening or Saturday morning. Um, and now everybody's going to have to wait until later in the weekend to find out when they're playing, where they're playing, and who they're playing. What was the what was the change like for you last year with that with that uh, those uh, early games starting on Wednesday night, which uh, were so hugely attended by the folks down in Portland up in Augusta? <laughs> well, I, the biggest cha- I think the biggest change for us was uh, that everybody on staff uh, got less sleep um, for a longer period of time. Um, <laughs> that's that's really that's really what it comes down to. Um, but it also did spread things out so that the Friday and Saturday, the first Friday and Saturday of the tournament weren't as crowded either. So Will can probably speak to how that changed things for scheduling wise for him last year uh, a little bit better. This is great. This is this is real full circle stuff. Will actually started working uh, for the main sports network back in the day on the radio side of things. So now full-time writer for the Sun Journal. He's on the show now for the Sun Journal Week in Preview. It's nice. It's it's good when the youngsters grow up and jump, jump out into the real world. Now he's married with a kid, so I don't feel old at all. Yeah. It's kind of like I tripped in, into an actual gig. Yeah, it's really that's pretty much the story of my life. It really, it really is. Well, it is. What was the what was that schedule like last year? Of course, you were used to it. I mean, you've been covering games on, on all sorts of different platforms for the last few years before this, so uh, it probably changed some things up for you having the games on Wednesday. Yeah, it was, it's it is just kind of weird to think that it starts so early, you know, uh, now with the five class deal. Um, I mean, I covered more stuff in Portland last year and, and, you know, the Portland games were, it it didn't seem that much different, but, you know, definitely different teams on different days than, you know, you're usually, usually used to, um, you know, and, and some of those, those games at the expo would, would still have huge crowds. And some of those games at the expo would be, where is everybody? You know, how come everyone's dressed like, like bleachers? (laughs) <laughs> that happens from time to time. Only forty-four or only forty-five games down in Portland this year because they're not going to have the uh, the state games down there because they decided to book something with the University of Maine, That's which a is darn interesting. Shame. Yeah, Randy, this is your first uh, this is your first tournament back, I believe. Your first basketball tournament back. The Sun Journal. Did you have to break out any old jerseys, old <laughs> pants, or anything? How did that whole thing? Uh, no, it's kind of funny because uh, you know you were, you were talking about how different it was last year for these guys. Uh, the we where I was last year, we didn't have anybody in the double A tournament, so it really didn't change that much for me last year. So I'm in for a shock this year, apparently. But I'm really looking forward to. It. I think the double A tournament is going to be awesome on the boys' side. The girls' side, yeah, that might not be quite as competitive. But the the double A tournament on the boys' side, I'm really looking forward to that. You know, on the boys' side, let's talk a little bit about that. We're coming off of a, a game a couple nights ago where Edward Little and Oxford Hills, and it. it I don't know. They're like the Giants and Patriots in the Super Bowl, and Edward Little's the Giants, and Oxford Hills is the Patriots. Edward Little always wins by just a little bit, and uh, the games are always close. Uh, 
couple nights ago, Matt Fleming was a probably a toenail over the line from tying it with a couple seconds left. Yeah, after the game, I was talking with Mike Mike Adams and uh, Scott Graffham, the Oxford Hills coach, went up to, to congratulate him and said, we just can't beat you in a close game. Uh, and I'm sure there's a certain sense of frustration for the Vikings in that regard, but they, they certainly know going into a tournament that, that they're, like you say, a toenail almost from beating them at least once and then the first time uh, when they lost to them by uh, two points. Uh, Fleming had a couple shots at a three-pointer that would have won it. Uh, so they're they're going in probably looking at being the uh, fifth seed. Uh, El's going in probably looking at being the number two seed. They've beaten Portland, the number one seed. Uh, El's been beaten by Wyndham, the, the likely number six seed. So uh, you know it, we always hear every year coaches saying, "Oh, you know this is a wide open term and anybody can beat anybody." But I think that's definitely going to be the case in the in the double A tournament this year. We're going to talk a little bit about double-A girls in a second. Let's talk a little bit about the hockey side of thing. Justin, is anybody going to be able to beat Lewiston? Well, Falmouth proved that they can. Um, I think the biggest key to, to beating Lewiston is getting physical um, and how Lewiston responds to that physicality. I think they did a much better job the second time around responding to that physicality, but I think uh, Falmouth definitely found uh, something that they, they can try to exploit uh, with Lewiston because uh, Lewiston is so so filled with skill. Um, clearly the best team skill-wise across the across the state. But uh, we'll see in a lot of those games up close, too. And uh, Lewiston beat Biddeford 7-3. to Biddeford gave them all they could handle uh, through the, the first, second, and part of the third period. I think ultimately it was Biddeford that uh, ran out of gas ultimately at the end. Yeah, I mean, it, for that was one of the more competitive 7-3 games you're ever going to see. And really, you know, <laughs> it, it could have been 7-4 or something different. You know, Biddeford thought they had a goal 14 seconds in. It gets waved off. Lewiston scores you know, within the first minute and kind of always had an answer at that point. But yeah, I mean, Biddeford had a, had a little bit of a different way of trying to beat Lewiston than uh, than Falmouth did. You know, Biddeford's got a lot of you know speed and a lot of skill. Justin, you're right. Falmouth kind of has the the formula for beating Lewiston, which is which is get physical. And you know, their coach Darren Barton said after both those games that they weren't afraid to uh, you know go on the penalty kill against the Lewiston team. But yeah, Lewiston. They, they have the look of just that that team, all that skill. Well, and then the other thing, too, with, with that is Falmouth's got to get through that Southern Maine tournament, too. Um, as we've seen, anybody other than Lewiston beating everybody, everybody's beaten everybody else this season from St. Dominic to Biddeford to Falmouth. St. Dom's to, beat Falmouth right, right after Saint Dom's they beat, beat Falmouth. Lewiston, yeah. Biddeford, uh, as, Biddeford has, has uh, Scarborough's in there as well. You know, those three teams, Biddeford, Falmouth, and Scarborough, are going to beat each other up in the South. So it's going to be a matter of, of – and then, of course – who knows? St. Dom's could possibly come out and surprise Lewiston somehow, some way. Um, you never know. It's a rivalry, even though there have been two lopsided games this year so far between them. So that'll that'll be pretty fun as well, I think. And also, don't forget that you have uh, no, uh, you have still have a chance to get your commemorative uh, New England Patriots front page cover and sports covers. Um, uh, you can get those from the Sun Journal front office. Uh, just call customer service over there uh, to get a, a reprint of our front page, a frameable reprint. Uh, single page for uh, five dollars, dual page glossy for fifteen, I believe. So the, um, they're they're pretty pretty snazzy. The fifteen dollar one has my picture on it, so that's why it's fifteen. I know. You, Randy Whitehouse will be autographing those this that's weekend right? down at Zimmy's on Main Street. We'll have more on the way. <laughs> oh goodness, goodness, goodness! Will Cramlick, Randy Whitehouse, Justin Pelletier from the Sun Journal. Now, Randy, you were 
We're talking a little bit on the um, on the basketball side of things a little bit ago. How Double A Boys is Double uh, A Boys North is going to be really competitive this year. Double A Girls maybe not so much. Uh, on the other hand, because <laughs> Oxford Hills is just sitting up there on top. It they look like they're they're going to be doing okay through that tournament. Yeah, they've they've rolled through uh, the KVAC this year. Uh, had a a big victory over Edward Little, one of their uh, top contenders on uh, Wednesday night. And uh, they just they seem poised to 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 certainly be the favorite uh, in in double A girls as opposed to in the boys where you can make a case for at least two if not three or four teams. It'll be interesting to see uh, what Edward Little has uh, you know especially if they meet Oxford Hills for a third time. Um, they arguably have one of the best players, if not the best player uh, in. You know Jordan Reynolds, and uh, you know it's obviously and obviously they have some uh, pedigree there as well. So um, you know you've seen Oxford Hills more than I have, Maddie. I, I don't know how uh, how dominant you think they are, but they definitely look that way on paper. When they're able to play their game, which is weird that they've gone to a game of it's very Andrew Morong like from Centralman Community College, kind of that up tempo run gun and yeah. and really try to pressure and. You know, since they've lost Winslow and they've lost Sugars over the last couple of years, they've really had a, a little bit of a transformation uh, in that. And I think that's really suited them. So it's really helped the strengths of an Aaron Morton. It's really helped to the, the strengths. And then you have a, a, a youngster like Jada Adams who's been hurt for three, week, uh, for three weeks or so, but has been able to go in and, and go on the front court and do some things offensive rebounding-wise. So you can see why they've been able to take advantage of a kind of a down year for AA North for the girls. That, that adds a, another element, I think, for the tournament. Um, in that they're they're a little younger than your typical number one seed, number one seed, but they also have full time contributing freshmen, a couple of full time contributing sophomores in there. Um, so not a, a senior heavy roster in terms of, of being a top seed, which that could be a little scary for the rest of Double A North for the next few years as well. Absolutely could, and of course, a lot of those folks that are that are uh, seniors on this squad were on the team that was in the uh, the state title game just uh, about three years ago, and they were in the regional final last year. So there's still a lot of experience on this team. Of course, the tournament starts up in Augusta and Bangor in Portland, and that will start on February 15th with the quarterfinals. Of course, the prelims will start next week, and we'll wait for the heel points patiently over the weekend. The B list on Sports Time 780. This is the B list with Matty B on Sports Time 780. Sun Journal's Randy Whitehouse, Will Kramlick, Justin Pelletier join us this morning to talk about the local sports scene and the regional sports scene as well. We we're talking a little bit on the um, on the basketball side of things a little bit ago. How Double A Boys is Double uh, A Boys North is going to be really competitive this year. Double A Girls maybe not so much. Uh, on the other hand, because <laughs> Oxford Hills is just sitting up there on top at uh, I think seventeen and one now or sixteen and one right in that vicinity, and uh, just the one loss after a long road trip to Bangor, and they look like they're they're going to be doing okay through that tournament. Yeah, they've they've rolled through uh, the KVAC this year. Uh, had a a big. Victory over Edward Little, one of their uh, top contenders, on uh, Wednesday night, and uh, they just they seem poised to 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 certainly be the favorite uh, in in Double A girls as opposed to in the boys, where you can make a case for at least two, if not three or four teams. Uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see uh, what Edward Little has. Uh, you know, especially if they meet. Oxford Hills for a third time. Um, they arguably have one of the best players, if not the best player, uh, in 
you know, Jordan Reynolds, and uh, you know, it's obviously and obviously they have some uh, pedigree there as well. So, um, you know, you've seen Oxford Hills more than I have, Maddie. I, I don't know how uh, how dominant you think they are, but they definitely look that way on paper. When they're able to play their game, which is weird that they've gone to a game of it's very Andrew Morong like from Central Maine Community College, kind of that up tempo run gun and yeah. and really try to pressure and. You know, since they've lost Winslow and they've lost Sugars over the last couple of years, they've really had a, a little bit of a transformation uh, in that. And I think that's really suited them. So it's really helped the strengths of an Aaron Morton. It's really helped to the, the strengths. And then you have a, a, a youngster like Jada Adams who's been hurt for three, week, uh, for three weeks or so, but has been able to go in and, and go on the front court and do some things offensive rebounding-wise. So you can see why they've been able to take advantage of a kind of a down year for AA North for the girls. Well, and, and they're young. I think yeah. that's the other piece of it too. Is is um, so that that adds a, another element? I think for the tournament, um, in that they're they're a little younger than your typical number one seed. Number one seed uh, is they're going to go in number one, but they also have uh, a, a full time contributing freshman, a couple of full time contributing sophomores in there. Um, so not a, a senior heavy roster in terms of of being a top seed, which that could be a little scary for the rest of Double A North for the next few years as well. Absolutely could, and of course, a lot of those folks that are that are uh, seniors on this squad were on the team that was in the uh, the state title game just uh, about three years ago, and they were in the regional final last year. So there's still a lot of experience on this team. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Of course, the tournament starts up in Augusta and Bangor in Portland, and that will start on February 15th with the quarterfinals. Of course, the prelims will start next week, and we'll wait for the heel points patiently over the weekend. We'll have more of the Sun Journal Weekend Preview on the way, and then we'll slide on over to the B-List on Sports Time 780. You're listening to The Breakfast Club on a Friday. It's Maine's Big Z. Welcome back. Actual final segment. We had four segments today with the Sun Journal, not two, and it really threw me off. Luckily, luckily Justin Pelletier saved us some time. It was really good. That's why he's, that's why he's the uh, managing editor nights and weekends in sports. That's that's why that works. Justin with the uh, the Julian Edelman uh, double clutch catch. It really was. It was really right on the edge. It was really right on the edge. Oh, goodness gracious. Sun Journal Weekend Preview for a, a Friday. Anything you guys are – game story, any columns or anything that you guys are looking forward to or any any big stories that you guys have planned for maybe after the tournament? Or do you guys just like getting the, the interesting features and things like that as we get ready for the tournament? Well, we've got that too. Of course, we're always looking ahead. We wouldn't be doing our jobs if we didn't have a one eye on next week and one eye on uh, four months from now, right? So, um, um, so I, I think the biggest thing after after that is is uh, our own uh, Sugarloaf USA up uh, uh, in Carabasa Valley is hosting the United States Alpine Skiing Championships, um, and so all the big hitters from the U.S. ski team are expected to be here in our little cozy corner of the world to compete for a U.S. title in uh, all in uh, three of the four major disciplines that. Uh, that they race on the on the World Cup circuit and the World Championships are going on right now in skiing, but uh, they'll be coming to Carabasset Valley in late March, uh, and they'll be uh, racing. Uh, last time they were here two years ago, uh, we had appearances uh, from Lindsey Vaughn and uh, Michaela Schifrin. Um, Ted Ligeti's hurt this year, so unfortunately he's not going to be coming. He's probably the biggest name on the men's side right now, but uh, he's not coming. Potential Bodie Miller sighting. Um, he's trying to work his way back in, in time for uh, the Olympics next year. Uh, the wow. Winter Olympics are exactly 364 days away. Yesterday marked the one-year mark uh, before they start. So he's trying to work his way back on the team in his late 30s. And uh, uh, to do that, he's going to need to prove to the U.S. ski coaches that he's ready to go. And um, the New Hampshire uh, native, Carabasset Valley alum, uh, 
could make an appearance at this thing. And if he does, that'll be a, a kind of a, a neat uh, uh, thing to, to check out too. So we'll be doing that a lot of that in March. And I'm sure you'll hear more about that on our next appearance here uh, with you in March. So that's uh, kind of what we're looking at down the road beyond the uh, the basketball tournament. And of course, the hockey tournament's just two weeks after the, mm-hmm. the, the two weeks after the basketball tournament as well. So that's going to be a fun one as well uh, for uh, at least Southern A and most of B as well. Talking with Justin Pelletier, Will Kramlick, Randy Whitehouse from the Sun Journal for the Sun Journal Weekend Preview for a Friday, February 10th. This conversation will continue on Sports Time 780. You can catch the rest of it tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. on the B-List with Maddie B on Sports Time 780 and online at sportstime780.com. That's 780 a.m. in case you're wondering, how do I get the 7? I had that happen when we switched the signal here on the FM. People didn't quite understand. (laughs) One person thought it was 92 point, like they went with an even number, and I'm like, no, ma'am, that doesn't exist. you got to go with 92.7, and then they, they figured it out, which was nice. We continue now on the first episode of The B-List. We've wrapped up the Breakfast Club uh, stuff on Maine's Big Z, and now we slide over to The B-List here. Randy Whitehouse, Will Kramlick, and Justin Pelletier from The Sun Journal. All right, at what point on Sunday, we gotta we got to talk about this game now, because... I need to talk about this with people. <laughs> I can't just... Do you know how many people, like, you know the casual fan, like, wasn't that a great game? And you really want to get into the X's and O's, and you're just like, yeah, it's really, it was a really nice game. It was really wild. At what point did you guys think it was either A, over, or B, oh, my God, they're going to come back into this thing? Probably when probably when they went up 28-3. to three. I was going to say the pick six, but I, I, I still held, held out hope on that last drive of the first half that the Patriots were going to get six instead of three. Um, yeah, it would have to be the, the, t- I, I just didn't see any way that the Patriots were going to stop the Falcons enough. I didn't realize that after that touchdown, they got in the third quarter, they weren't going to score again. And, uh, I, I didn't see that coming. I, you know, I knew the offense was moving the ball. I thought they could put up points and if they could just finish off drives and not turn the ball over. But, I, I didn't see the defense stop, well, the Falcons stopping themselves, too. But I didn't see the defense making the plays that they made in the second half. I'm not sure exactly what time of the game was left, how much time when the game was left uh, at the time, but uh, at 9.05 p.m. is when Randy thought it was over. That's <laughs> right. You do, have, <laughs> you do have that established. You know That's what? Correct. That's probably about the same time I did, too, because right after Tevin Coleman got into the end zone, he went around yeah. Nankovich, and I'm like, wow, yeah. you did a really good job on halftime <laughs> adjustments, guys. That was tremendous. <laughs> I, I said, I'm done, and I went outside, and I said, you know what? I'm going to sit in my car and listen on the radio. We had the game on the radio. And that way, if the Patriots did come back, I could, you know, I could get back into it. Well, sure enough, I, I go in and I, I do what I'm supposed to do. And Patriots score a touchdown on next uh, a couple drives afterwards with James White. They make it 28 to 9. I'm like, well, I guess I'm stuck in the car. So I moved the car over so that I could, the way my, my, my house is set up, you can actually look. I, I had it set up so I could look at the TV through my bedroom window. So if something good happened on the radio, I'd look up at the TV to watch it play. Well, well that's bad. crafty right there. It. <laughs> it was really impressive. But yeah, they, the, the Patriots outscored the Falcons 31 to nothing from the time I went out to my car until the time I got back in, which I blazed in for like, it, it looked like the DeLorean and Back to the Future uh, when I came back in because I wanted to see the post game because <laughs> the amount of crow that people had to eat after that was just phenomenal yeah and going back i think it was i had the exact same thought and you know tevin coleman scores it and i was like it's probably over but if this and this and this and this happens the patriots can do it and that's that's exactly what happened this and this and this it it all had to happen if you think about it the falcons just need to make one more play one more you know besides the julio catch but 
after that one more play and it's over and they made every wrong play for the rest of the game after that Julio catch every single wrong play like it was I, I couldn't believe how wrong they were on, on so many different things. I mean, they had two solid running backs that, that they weren't really using, and, and they decided not to even run the ball. It was just... We'll have more on the miracle that was Super Bowl 51, which, of course, you heard right here on Sports Time 780. We'll also talk about the Red Sox and maybe even a little bit about the Celtics, as well. You never know what might happen on the B-List on Sports Time 780. Online at sportstime780.com. More with Justin Pelletier, Will Kramlick, and Randy Whitehouse from the Sun Journal. On the way. This is the B list with Maddie B on Sports Time 780. Sun Journal's Randy Whitehouse, Will Kramlick, Justin Pelletier join us this morning. To talk about the local sports scene and the regional sports scene as well. How much do you think of it was was coaches trying to out Belichick Belichick? Of course. I mean, but just the last the last two now. Okay, you've got Seattle has Marshawn Lynch and they go and try to pass it and Butler makes the interception, right? You've got the Falcons, a field goal away from literally putting it out of reach um, because the this and this and this and this probably wouldn't have happened with another field goal to make up beyond that, right? Right. So they're in field goal range, dive left, dive right, dive middle, kick a field goal, you're out of there, and instead Ryan drops back to pass, gets, gets uh, totaled, and yeah. then now they're out of, now they're out of range. Right. That's That's – to me, that's coaching trying to outcoach Belichick and coaching themselves out of wins, rather than um, as much as the Patriots did, they were they benefited from some some poor coaching. Our, our colleague Lee Horton gets to look forward to having Kyle Shanahan as the head coach of his uh, favorite Forty Niners. <laughs> well, of course, the Forty Niners are my secondary team, so I mean, if they're definitely they get, secondary now, yeah, they're, <laughs> they continue to be a secondary team. They will be for a very long time, is what I'm guessing, but. Uh, you know, it was funny, the, the one play that I, I really look back on, and McDaniels was asked about this after the game, they asked him, um, it was right when they got down, when they kicked the field goal to make it 28-12. to 12. Brady had gotten sacked on fourth down and put him back uh, back past the 10-yard line. If they had made any yardage on that play, they might have gone for it. If they'd gone for it and not made it, they still would have uh, They still would have been kind of out of it because they were only down 19 at that yeah. point. So yeah, sure. that was one of those fortunate plays that you look back on and you're like, you wonder how they would have changed their mindset or changed their approach if that hadn't happened. So there are so many different things that it almost makes up for those two Giants losses. Like it, it almost does. Like I can I, almost I think it makes up for the second that. one. Nothing make, will make up for the first Nothing one. will ever make up for the first one. The only thing that will make up for the first one is if they run the table next year and they beat the Giants. Like that to me, you have to like exercise the demon on that. And and don't, and don't ever try to explain that to uh, our colleague to the south, uh, Michael Hoffer over <laughs> the forecaster, because uh, uh, I, I don't think he will ever... Ever get over there? He's going to go to his grave spinning uh, before he even hits the hits the turf yeah. uh, about that about that loss. He does not. He does not want to face the Giants in anything ever uh, again. That Edelman catch though, that really did a lot of uh, healing for me with the Tyree catch though. It, you know, it, it had been. It wasn't just the Tyree catch. It was the Manningham catch, the Curse catch. I mean, it had been so psychologically damaged by these impossible catches in the Super Bowl that Edelman making the catch that he did uh, just. Uh, you know, I don't know about you, you guys, but I, I certainly needed it just for some form of yes, you know, closure. 
I need, yeah. I, you know what? You're absolutely right. I definitely need, you know what? And I'm kind of, you know, I don't know how Justin feels about this, but it actually helped me get over the 2004 choke of the Yankees, the, the Super Bowl. Because. <laughs> oh, that, see, that ruins it for you me. See, you know, and, it, to, and I to, it totally will too, which is why I wanted to mention it to you. But really, the, the reason I mentioned that is I the Yankees should not have been up 3 nothing in that series in 2004. Right. I think everybody, if they really look back the, on the it. The Red Sox that were was, favored. They, yeah, the, the Yankees were not a good team that year. They had a god-awful pitch. Staff and for them to be up three to nothing in that steer- series is still one of the things that boggles my mind. <laughs> I mean, because they really shouldn't have been. But then the way they just it all just slowly fell apart, you know, from the Dave Roberts steal and then Tony Clark's double that you know went into the stands that you know just if it grazes the top of the wall and bounces back in, it, the series is over. Yeah. So it was nice to see that in one game a team come back and say, you know what, no, we're we're going to come back and win this thing. Well, you know, it's, it's funny that that was you talk about moments in the game. As soon as that happened, and I, I, the people with whom I was watching the game, I turned to them. I said, "That was a catch, and this game is over." And I, I literally, I said that right there. I said, "There's, there's because of all the things that have gone wrong for the Patriots right. in those Super Bowls in the past. Right? Um, they finally had something like that go their way in in an improbable situation." I said, "That was a catch. This thing's over." And that's that's that for me. That was the moment in that game. You're an NFL GM. You get two. You get three options. You get Deshaun Watson, Mitch Trubisky. It doesn't even seem like Mitch Trubisky is a real name. Yeah, he's a guy who started 13 games. <laughs> doesn't last sound year. like a quarterback. And he could be like the. Oh, it's Mitch Trubisky. You know, it sounds like a South Park villain. You know, <laughs> like that's really what it sounds like. But you've got him, and then you've got Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, at this point, even though it, the draft is is not good for quarterbacks, you've got the Bears who have Garoppolo high up on their list. They're looking at Jimmy Garoppolo as like their franchise guy. He's from Illinois. They desperately need a quarterback. The Bears have needed a quarterback for years. You've got Cleveland, who has two picks, including the number one overall, so they could trump anything. And you got the 49ers, and Kyle Shanahan waxed poetically at, at, at Super Bowl media days about how much he had, he had looked at, at Jimmy Garoppolo on film and how good he thought he was and how good he thought he could be. So you have the team with the number two pick, I think the number three or four pick, and the number one pick, and also the number 12 pick if you add in the Browns with their second pick, all wanting your backup quarterback. Could this have played out any better for the Patriots? I know we're all still mad about Deflategate, but seriously, like, after all of it, has it been worth it in the end? Well, yeah, I mean, there's a Super Bowl title out of it, yeah. first of all. Well, I mean, two, if you think about it, because, def- right. like, the actual Deflategate thing happened before that Super Bowl against the Seahawks. So, yeah, I mean, you, you could say, you know... Hey, if Gostowski does doesn't get the yips in Denver last year, there's no, there, there's no, you know, it, there's a possibility you could have had three in a row. Yeah, and he's still yipping away. Yeah, he's still yipping. Now they're just overcoming the yip. Or, yeah. or if Brady throws to Gronk on the two-point conversion and not Edelman. But that's another thing. <laughs> yeah, let, let's let's throw to your 5-6 receiver, not your 6-6 six, six receiver. Yeah, Maybe do that. But I, it's just it couldn't have played out any better. So now you've got the guy that you now everybody wanted to call him Matt Castle at first. Well, now all of a sudden nobody thinks he's Matt Castle anymore. Did you? Did we ever think we'd see this? From the days that I was buying my Patriots gear at Ames for five bucks, and people are like, why are you wearing that? I, I can still remember the day Bill Parcells was hired as the Patriots coach. Being in complete disbelief that they actually got a credible head coach to come. Not just a, you know, a guy who was already a legend at that point, but a credible NFL coach who had actually won something. We'll have more on the miracle that was Super Bowl 51, which of course you heard right here on Sports Time. 780. We'll also talk about the Red Sox and maybe even a little bit about the Celtics as well. You never know what might happen on the B-List on Sports Time 780.
online at sportstime780.com. When we're Justin Pelletier, Will Kramlick, and Randy Whitehouse from the Sun Journal, on the way. This is the B List with Maddie B on Sports Time 780. Sun Journal's Randy Whitehouse, Will Kramlick, Justin Pelletier join us this morning. Talk about the local sports scene and the regional sports scene as well. You know, it's been, what, 20 years roughly? And now, you know, they have the greatest coach of all time and the greatest quarterback of all time. And, you know, they're probably the the greatest dynasty ever. And it, the turnaround itself, let alone where they were before, uh, you know, this this run came, the just the – the how rapidly the turnaround has occurred is just mind-boggling. There's this somebody's got to be like writing books about this stuff yeah. because it's it doesn't happen every day in sports, let alone football, which is you know uh, with the salary cap and parity and all that. It's this is not supposed to happen in football. Well, it just shows you how much everyone else screws up. Yeah, well, that <laughs> that's helped. part of it too, though. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the, their timing has been quite fortunate because. I'm sorry. The NFL this year stunk. I was saying the same thing yesterday. It's one of like one of, one of the right. most mediocre seasons Absolutely. I can think of. Because who who's who's a great team this year? Uh, no, not even the Patriots. I don't even think the Patriots no. were a good no. team. I mean, and they weren't a good team for three and a half for two and a half quarters the other day. Mm-hmm. I mean, sheesh. We'll have more on the way. Justin Pelletier, Will Kramlick, Randy Whitehouse are in from the Sun Journal. You're listening to Maddie B on the B list. It's Sports Time 780 online at sportstime780.com. Welcome back. Final segment of the B-List for Saturday, the inaugural B-List. You can catch this episode on demand. After the show, go to sportstime780.com. That's 780, not 7 and 80. Don't start spelling things out. That's way too much. Way too much. (laughs) Justin Pelletier, Will Kramlick, Randy Whitehouse from the Sun Journal. Spring training is just not that far away. Not that far away at all. I believe... uh, Valentine's Day. So I think we're like uh, six days now, eight days from, uh, from from spring. Actually, less than eight days. I think it's even less than that. Uh, pitchers and catchers going. Red Sox, of course, acquired Chris Sale over the winter. Everybody's already given them the World Series title and the AL East title, except for me and Justin. Um, <laughs> what, the, the, the sale, th- what, what are you expecting from the Sox this year? In, in, if they don't get off to a good start, how much trouble is John Farrell in? Oh, I, I think he, I think he's in I think he's in trouble. <laughs> I mean, if they don't get off to a good start, but you know, the one thing that people always forget, and we saw it with David Price last year, and we've seen it with, seen it with other big name free agent acquisitions. It takes time to get acclimated to the media culture and to the fan culture in Boston. It just does. You can say the same a little bit for New York, but there's plenty else going on in New York in the summertime to distract people. Um, if the Yankees start to, to be terrible, um, you've got that. Well, no, no, you don't have the Mets. But if the Yankees start, if the Yankees start being terrible, you've got other things to distract you. In Boston, the Nets, in the summer, the there Nets is nothing terrible, else but the Red Sox. Yeah. And, and yeah. That's, what makes, that, yeah. that's what makes the Red Sox in Boston unique, for sure. But it also puts you under such a microscope, and I think it takes some getting used to. Some people just don't ever get used to it. I've seen some, we've seen some great players go to Boston and be great elsewhere, go to Boston, stink, leave, and still be great elsewhere. Um, and so I think the, the biggest thing that, that, that Red Sox fans, I think, have to be, to be uh, cognizant of is the patience factor, which is almost impossible, I think, for, for Red Sox fans as a whole, as a unit. Um, individually, I think there are many that are patient and that do see the bigger picture. But as a whole, the whole, red, the whole of 
Red Sox Nation. Um, then, then yes, I did air quotes there. <laughs> you did. Uh, the, it's the, great. the whole of, of Red Sox Nation is is a fairly impatient bunch ever since the championship in jo- 2004. John Farrell's on the hot seat even before the first pitch is thrown. I mean, it, all you have to do is look back at last year. Uh, I'm not the the biggest fan in the world of John Farrell as a manager, but the amount of criticism that he got last year for for things that that really he didn't have a heck of a lot of control over. Uh, just uh, really mystifies me in a lot of ways. I, he, you know, can we just hold players accountable for once? Nobody was doing that last year when the Red Sox hit their rough patches. And if they get off to a bad start this year, if if their their strength, which is their starting pitching, gets off to a slow start, I'm still not sold on the bullpen. Uh, I think Craig Kimbrell frankly, is slightly sketchy. above a medi- slightly yeah, a above a mediocre. So he's Stephen Gostowski right now. Yeah, he really yeah, is. Don't know. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, it's, uh, he's been known to be good, yeah. but you just don't know if he's going to be yeah, good. Yeah, I, I, that's, I think that's a very good comparison. Well, it's just, you know, I'm not sold. I'm not sold on the lineup. I mean, who knows if, you know, the, these young guys are going to take a step back at all next year. Uh, you know, hey, I'm a Red Sox fan, Maddie. I'm not handing them the AL East. I, you know, I think... Uh, the one thing they'll have to their advantage is Toronto's going to be down. You know, Baltimore is, you know, they're okay, but you don't know about that. And, you know, Tampa Bay's not any good. Uh, the Yankees are still in a transition period, so they might benefit from, from the, the AL East being down overall. But I'm not, I'm not seeing a juggernaut that a lot of other people are seeing. It should at least be intriguing, if anything. Oh yeah, oh, it will. Be. Well, this is my question for you, Will. And you know, I've I've heard. Well, Andrew Benatendi's he's the guy who's who's gained all the weight this off season. He's he's in phenomenal shape so far. He's going to strength and conditioning. Yeah, he's yeah. going to make up for the the loss of David Ortiz. Do you think they're really going to look back? And I've already seen it spun by that by some Red Sox media. Do you think they're going to regret not going after Edwin Encarnacion or somebody like that on a on a cheaper deal? I mean, could he even had a Chris Carter or somebody like that? Instead, they go with you know Keith Moreland, which I don't know. It just you know Mitch Moreland, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. I'd, I'd rather have Keith Moreland. Myself. Also, Earthwind Earth Moreland, Moreland. Yeah. 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 Hank Pote. Yeah, it it does make you wonder. I mean, the, the good thing is their offense was was so much better than everyone's last year during the regular season. So losing Poppy, maybe it's back to, you know, right around, you know, where it's supposed to be, but still one of the better ones. And they just, the management, Farrell, Dombrowski is hoping that the pitching has improved, which like we said, could be scary because you don't know how sale is going to do, you know, in this market in its first year. Um, But I think they're just, they realize that maybe they'll try to win a different way and hope that the, the younger guys keep progressing and, that Pablo Sandoval is worth a dime, and it's there's a lot that they're just banking on that it's scary. I got two quick things here. I got about two minutes, so I'm going to hit Justin first. I'm going to hit Randy last, and then we're going to get out of here. Justin, first thing for you: Bruins fire Claude Julien on the day of the Patriots parade. Most Bruins thing ever, or what? Uh, I think it's a tie with firing Peter Shirelli during the Aaron Hernandez verdict because they did that as well. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. That's so, right. so, so, oh, wow. yeah. That's so Bruins. Uh, it's, yes. it, it's so Bruins, and it was also to me. Uh, Claude became this the scapegoat that uh, he shouldn't have uh, shouldn't have had to become. Um, Cam and Cam Cam Neely and and uh, Don Sweeney didn't give 
uh, Claude Julian the pieces to work with over the last couple of years, and it, and it came back to bite him. And um, even he was was uh, knowledgeable enough to say the coach always ends up being the one to have to fall on the sword, even though it's not necessarily his fault. Anytime an organization goes through a shakeup, um, you saw it on the Islanders too with Umaine uh, uh, alum Jack Capuano getting uh, ousted earlier this year as well. You know he got the axe. His lineup was was less than stellar, cut in um, half basically. Cut in yeah. half. Well, and he had no no credible goaltending. No. Yarrow Halak started to struggle. Former mm-hmm. maniac uh, Yarrow Halak started to struggle, and there was no no goalie in the pipeline. So now you're you're a coach with one and a half lines, a questionable goaltender. At least the Bruins had one of the top five have one of the top five goaltenders in the league in Tuca this year. Who, um, but for him, uh, the Bruins are a playoff team. So uh, I think Claude is probably the wrong person to have blamed, but it was also the predictable person to have blamed in that situation. But gutless. Uh, Dan Shaughnessy hit it right on the head in his column in the Boston Globe, um, calling what the Bruins did absolutely gutless in in the timing of their announcement of that thing. Randy, two minutes or less. We're about two weeks away from the Celtics trade deadline. Do we want them to go out and get somebody and make a run at this thing, or do we just want to wait and see how the Brooklyn picks pan out? Well, the, they're they're going to have going to have the best odds at the number one pick uh, in the lottery. I mean, Brooklyn's running away with that. Uh, so, so we can, despite their luck in the lottery, we can pretty much count on them at least having a top three pick. I don't want Carmelo Anthony. I don't want anything to do with him. No, and I anybody don't. who does, I have, I lose all respect for his basketball <laughs> fans. Jimmy Butler's intriguing. Absolutely. Paul George is intriguing. Is Jimmy Butler worth the Nets one though? That's the year? question. I, I'm not sold on Paul George. Yes. Yes. Jimmy Butler, I'm not sure. Um, you know, it, it depends on health. I mean, you know, when, how often have they had the whole lineup together? Rarely. I mean, they still don't have Bradley. Right, yeah. right, exactly. Not very much this year. So, you know, the other thing I don't want is I don't want them making a move that will hinder the development of Jalen Brown because I love what I see from this kid. Yeah. I think he's going to be a star. So... Keep that in mind when you're whatever deal you're making. They need a rebounder. They need to find a rebounder. Boogie Cousins. Yeah, we, yeah. yeah. I would. I would. <laughs> the yeah. only problem with him is every time he gets a technical, he has to. He has yeah, to sit out you a have game. to sit out a game, so you're not even getting value. Good, save him for the playoffs. We call that. <laughs> I guess we could call it the Andrew Fleming rule, maybe. Oh, yeah, that's you know, good. That's good. The only difference is Boogie usually deserves it. That's usually the difference. Whoa. It's the B list with Matty B here on Sports Time 780. The gang from the Sun Journal has been in with me for the inaugural show today. Justin Pelletier, Will Kramlick, and Randy Whitehouse. Get your commemorative Patriots Super Bowl covers now. They can just stop by the uh, the office and get those, right, Justin? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, they can stop by there, or they can uh, give us a call. We'll uh, we'll even send them to you. Don't right. call me. Yeah, call, <laughs> don't call Randy. Uh, and you Ray, you can call Randy to autograph it though, because it's pictures I will on the do front. That. So that's good. All right, guys. Well, thank you very much. Hey, listen to Sports Time Seven A. Stay up to date on the latest twenty four seven scores, links, news, and more. MBR.org, Maine's best resource for sports. We'll be back online at sportstime seven eighty dot com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.